This is the business of sports. We're in a situation that we haven't dealt with in modern times. The pandemic here has really accelerated the investments that we've been advocating for for years. Almost everyone out there is hoping that there's some kind of return to normal by August, September. In-depth conversations with the leaders in the sports industry. Who wants to be the sacrificial lambs that shows up at the first big major sporting event? We're part of something much bigger than sport right now, and the health and safety of our stakeholders is what's most important. Every moment, I think we're all from a business perspective thinking about the impact that the virus is having across the country. Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Jason Kelly. We're here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays to explore the big money issues in the world of sports. Talk to some of the biggest players in the industry across the globe. Earlier this week, I got to catch up with Robert Klein. He is the CEO of Bundesliga International. He's responsible for essentially taking German soccer to the world. Well, the world is different, obviously, but the Bundesliga, they got to play. They figured out a way back to the pitch. They completed their season just a couple weeks ago. I caught up with him in Frankfurt via Zoom. So, Robert, in many ways, you are the envy of the sports world because you have completed a season. Not many people can say that here in July 2020. Take us back if you can, to March and to the world really coming to a standstill and the decisions that you and the Bundesliga had to make from then on. So, yes, we um, interrupted the league on the 9th of March. And um, at that time, it looked like it might just be a few weeks. Um, And when the extension by the German government was till the end of April, Uh, we realized that this was going to take longer. So um, quite quickly, there was a crisis uh, management team put in place uh, to look at how we could do a restart and what that would involve. And one of the first things that happened, as you will know, probably uh, was setting up a medical commission uh, that was working um, with the local governments in Germany. There are 16 states and those states are responsible for Uh, their health protocol uh, and decisions um, and working closely with them to create what would be possible in terms we knew when we started again it would be without fans that was clear Uh, but for the rest uh, you can imagine um, in a stadium you've got the clubs you've got the players you've got um, the production teams which are important of course in terms of professional sport Um, and one of the key things as well was also the interaction with politicians uh, and also with all the other stakeholders so that people understood, and this was sometimes not immediately understood, um, that we would not be, as professional sport, taking tests away uh, from German society. In fact, in the end, it turned out to be the opposite. We were able to contribute some. Um, The German government had committed to 500,000 tests per week right from the start, uh, and those were always delivered. So... In summary, it was really getting the crisis management team together, the whole of the league working together, um, the clubs, the production, the medical, and then also a lot of working with the 16 states. Uh, We played the matches in the stadium, so people were, and clubs were moving. um, And it was a mammoth task uh, involving lots and lots of um, hours and work. And um, as everyone has seen with COVID, we still weren't sure, no matter how much we prepared and put in place, whether this was gonna work come the first match day. And so tell me about that. I mean, were there moments along the way, especially before you got back to play, where you just thought, you know what, this isn't going to work. We're not going to be able to pull this off. Um, I 
don't think we ever had the mindset that this isn't going to work just because you, you've got to believe it's going to happen. Is it a, a challenge? Yes. Is it a risk being the first league? Yes. But it was done because there were a number of uh, factors. One is that Germany, um, in a very tough crisis, has and continues to manage uh, quite well. Um, and the second was uh, the, the solidarity and the belief of the clubs and the leagues that, yes, we can do that. That was the one thing. Were there bumps along the way? 100%. Um, you can't you know, uh, account for all of players' actions or all individuals. And there were one or two um, uh, situations which occurred, which uh, definitely questioned the whole process and uh, the, the, uh, yeah, the concept we were putting together. But in the end, as I said, we got there and we had our first match day um, on the 16th of May, which was just two months after the initial stopping of the league. Right. And so once play restarted, as you say, there were some little bumps. I mean, I, I read a, something where uh, a manager, I believe, essentially had to be disciplined because he needed to go out and get some toothpaste. I mean, these are the sorts of things that you probably never thought you would have to worry about, right? No, and uh, that, that, that was the story. And uh, the manager immediately said, look, I've made a mistake. Um, we've got to lead by example. And so uh, uh, I think discipline is a bit strong, but he had to go in and uh, do his uh, isolation uh, for the 14-day period and then get tested again until he was negative. But exactly, um, what seems like uh, sort of a small um, factor had big knock-on uh, effects, and there were some incidents also with a couple of players. But uh, we managed to get the testing uh, in, um, and it was a very, and it continues, to, well, the league's finished now, but it was a very um, intense testing, two times a week, always 24 hours before going into the stadium. And of course, um, any uh, positive tests were, were then um, addressed, but luckily we, um, we had overwhelmingly negative tests. So Robert, we are Bloomberg. So let's talk about the economics of this. No fans in the stadiums. Uh, sponsors, I'm sure you were having conversations with as well. How do you sort of put the dollars and cents around this, the Euro, I guess, is more appropriate, uh, to, to understand the implications for the game and for the league, and especially for your part of the business, the international piece? Well, um, gate receipts and therefore um, fans are a big part for clubs, so there's, uh, without a doubt, um, a knock for them financially, um, and they've made individual uh, statements. And with the season, which will restart on the 18th of September, um, we are working to have concepts where you know, uh, fans can come back, but only when it's safe. Um, and it certainly looks like at the restart, they will not be. So the, there will be financial and there is financial impact for the clubs first and foremost. Um, from a league perspective, one of the drivers uh, you know, to get started again was so that we could ensure uh, other revenues which come through our uh, broadcast partners um, could be delivered. And which is of course also um, then paid on through to uh, the clubs, which was one of the reasons why it was really uh, important to see that we could get ourselves started um, in the middle of May. And the other thing that was important, we might come on to that as well, was working with our partners when there was no TV, when they had their programming grid completely empty. And what is it that you can do in that time? And we had um, uh, many you know, creative aspects that we looked at. We opened up our archive, we created uh, virtual eFootball, which had, um, in the end, I mean, amazing viewing figures around the world, over 2 million uh, people tuning in for this virtual tournament between clubs, players, and even a referees team. So that was important. Um, the COVID uh, 
continues to be a challenge um, at different rates, as I was saying to you at the beginning, around the world. And um, it's going to be important to work closely with the partners to, to, to ensure that they can get these programming hours back on, albeit with a different kind of production, which in itself has led to other points, is how do you do production when you've got nobody in the stadium? Do you use sound? Do you not? Um, some people love it. Some hardcore fans don't want to hear of it. In the end, we gave them an option so you can turn it on or not. Right. Um, but I think, you know, talking about this whole process, the 16th of May, when the, the restart happened, um, I was in touch with partners and, and friends all around the world. Um, and it was, you know, to have been successful in, in creating this massive complex and to also uh, be able to support other leagues. We've been talking to leagues in the US, we've been talking to leagues all around the world who were interested in what we were doing. Right. Uh, not duplicate, but you can share in the knowledge. And the solidarity that came out of that um, was really quite heartwarming, you know, in a time, as you know, when things are not so easy. Right. Well, it, you led me exactly where I wanted to go next, which is what is the single biggest piece of advice that you give when you get those phone calls and emails and texts from leagues around the world, you know, in football and beyond, basically saying, how'd you pull it off? What's the secret? What's the one thing that you tell everyone? Be prepared to put in lots of hours because you're talking about, um, many stakeholders you're talking at the in any country i think at the political level as well uh you're talking about a medical concept which will maybe vary left a bit right a bit but which is um uh has to be delivered either in one area as i've heard like in, in the us i think the uh, the nba is doing it in a single um vicinity i think it's in, in, in a in a disney park uh, or whether you're doing it in multiple um uh, stadiums it's it's uh it's detailed it's complex, um, but it, it, it can be done. And of course, um, when it works, not just for the first match day, but you can finish the league, um, it's something that uh, you know, is very heartwarming, as I said, on the one hand, and also the, the, the fans just are so pleased to see back, albeit in a completely different circumstances. Would we rather have them in the stadium? 100%, every league, every sport. But at the moment, you have to deal with what you've got. So, Robert, what did you learn from the players? Because obviously they are the ultimate product here. And we're at a time when players are thinking about health and safety. They're thinking about social justice. They're thinking about so many things. What's your takeaway from the player perspective? Um, I told you there are many stakeholders and uh, they're the ones who are performing. Uh, they're the ones who... Uh, you know, we're going in and out of many stadiums. So we had um, a lot of discussion with them. And uh, ultimately, uh, in, the, in the league, they're uh, contracted to their clubs. And the clubs and the league agreed early on that no player was uh, going to be um, forced into, into any situation. Quite the opposite. We spent a lot of time explaining to them the protocol, the medical, why we believe this was probably safer than um, just your normal um, uh, sort of isolation or, or, or yeah, uh, walking around uh, in, in, yeah, in, in society. And they, they bought into this. So as far as I know, in the end, uh, there were questions and there were uh, some players who said, oh, I'm not so sure, but they, um, in the end, were convinced by it um, and uh, were actually happy to get out of the training field, first of all, and then to be um, playing again professional football. And talk to me about what you saw and what you heard, both from the players, 
from viewers, from the clubs themselves, and, and you as a fan, uh, what was the quality of play like from your perspective? As a fan, uh, which I am, we were watching carefully, the, the quality of play, I think, becomes even more underlined because whilst you miss absolutely the fans and the, uh, uh, the atmosphere that's brought that and, and everything that you would get from, from a, a full stadium, you're actually then being able to hear the players speak. You're able to hear interactions off the bench um, and uh, to, to instructions to the players. And so it was a completely different experience. But I think from a fan perspective, uh, one that was really enjoyed. And what I can tell you for sure is, is on this year, the 16th of May when we came back, um, the joy that it was bringing all around the world, um, the messages of, of yeah, celebration and happiness that were coming from fans, but also congratulations that we restarted were really uh, something to behold. We were aware it was just one match day and we said right from the start, we've done match day one, there are another eight to go. We just earned the right to the next match day. We have to take it one match day at a time. Just if anything COVID has taught us, um, don't let your guard down. And it's the same situation today. Germany right now is doing pretty well, but we are on our toes because it is um, a weird virus. Right. So let's talk about the rest of the world because that is your remit is to take this league to the world. And this was an interesting opportunity, I would imagine, for you because you had a product that almost no one else had, really no one else had uh, for a certain amount of time. What did that do for you as you were talking to partners around the world, maybe talking to folks who you had been in discussions with for a while about this product that, that ultimately you're selling. Yeah, there was two aspects as I said. One was during the non-programming and what we could offer them, which showed uh, really what the DFL is. We're a soccer league, but we're also an innovation and a media company. And we were able to you know, deliver um, to very quickly to, to our partners, as I said, on, on digital, on, on round tables, on, on just a lot of innovative, um, both uh, tech and product stuff. To your second point, um, which is that we were mid-May, basically, we had the eyes of the world on us. Uh, and for uh, at least three weeks, um, we're the only European league uh, that was playing. And it was a unique situation. Um, and it allowed, I guess, some people who are not usually Bundesliga fans to uh, interact and, and to watch. We had... Um, incredible um, attention and audiences all around the world, both through our partners and broadcasters, uh, but also if you looked on the digital sites, the, you know, in those three weeks, Bundesliga players, clubs um, were trending uh, across Twitter, across Instagram. And um, you know, for us, it was pleasing to have the attention of the league. On the other hand, and uh, we, we mean this seriously, it's also better for us when all other leagues are getting back into play because mm -hmm. it means we're going back, hopefully, to some level of normality. And in the end, business is going to require to pick up and continue. And the more that are coming back um, and the more who are successful, uh, the better we'll be all around. What do you think, uh, from your business's perspective, from your part of the business, but also for the league overall, what sticks? What have you learned that, that maybe you either wouldn't have done before or something you thought might be a good idea that you've now accelerated some sort of innovation either on the digital side or, or, or what have you that you think, all right, well, regardless of whether there are fans in stadiums, regardless of whether there is a global pandemic, we're definitely going to do this going forward. 
on the live broadcast, uh, we have had and, and continue because we do our own production at a very high level. So um, we felt comfortable with that. And I, I think there um, it was more the appreciation that we had from the broadcasters that we are still able to deliver this. I think on the innovation side, we did um, many things, some that worked and some that didn't. Um, I'll take a couple uh, of examples. We started doing roundtables um, with uh, the players and obviously creating roundtables in a virtual environment. Um, we did one with uh, Tyler Adams uh, with uh, four key um, US media institutions. And this very close interaction that was able to be had between the journalist um, and Tyler um, allowed somehow for a, a very free-flowing uh, um, conversation and one that we probably would not have done before. Now, if we take the US as, uh, as an example, we have many US, uh, US and American players. And whilst the um, fans support uh, you know, a league, they also like to hear about their superstars. Those um, virtual uh, roundtables are definitely going to continue because we've realized mm -hmm. that we can set them up quite easily. We don't have to have a huge cost in terms of uh, getting the journalists over from uh, the US. It is great when they can touch and interact, but actually we can um, have a, uh, an offering on a localization level, which happens um, you know, quite, uh, quite easily and cost-effectively. Interesting. And so what have you learned, I guess, as a leader and, and a business person? I mean, you've been in business, uh, you're youngish <laughs> like me, um, <laughs> but you, you've had some experience uh, in business before. Uh, I, I do wonder, as a leader and, and as, a, as an executive, what's your takeaway from this in terms of managing a team of people and working in this remote world and having to sort of stand something up in unprecedented circumstances? Yeah. I've thought about this, you know, a lot, and I've seen uh, a lot in the last uh, 12 weeks. One of the first things I saw is that tough times um, are for good people. You can really see... Uh, how you know, challenging, unusual, in, in our case, um, unique times, uh, how, how people uh, react. And the good news is that, at least um, from my perspective, but I've also been talking to partners uh, in broadcasting, um, uh, our, our sponsors and so on, it seems that this is a human trait. We're actually very resourceful um, and uh, have found ways, whether it's new platforms or new technologies in terms of broadcast, or whether um, it's uh, creating new ways to engage with fans uh, through, uh, through sponsors or through new channels. And that we are, yes, quite resilient um, uh, in, in the way that we go about. The second thing, which was very pleasing from a league perspective, and I see this also with other leagues, is um, professional leagues and professional sports uh, uh, is often heavily criticized because there's big money that is um, going around and there are often also big salaries. Um, and the players often get targeted, but the way the players and the clubs and the communities came together um, to support uh, yeah, their communities, whether that was turning a um, stadium into a test center, whether it was clubs um, actually using their staff to deliver home delivery meals uh, to people who were um, you know, at risk. There were many of these examples. Um, in Germany, another one was the top four teams who were in the Champions League um, gathered together uh, and pulled 20 million to put back into the league, into women's football and into the lower leagues to give also help there. And so you can be um, cynical and, and people will be, but if you look at the positive side, 
but that was the learnings uh, that we took. And um, again, it was uh, good to see. So it feels like it's safe to say this may ultimately at least slightly change the trajectory p potentially of, of football and soccer uh, around the world. What is the sport takeaway from this, I guess? Um, the sport, first of all, takes away that they have a big role to play in society, I think, and that um, it's uh, one that they should take with responsibility and that um, as anyone who has experienced deeply uh, the COVID, uh, it has shaken business up all around the world. And I'm not talking about sports here, I'm talking about um, pretty much any number of um, businesses that you want to look at, which means we should look at the long term and we should look at the sustainability and we should look at uh, what can be done uh, so that we can be prepared if a similar situation comes along in the future, whether this is in a, another coronavirus strain or some other uh, unexpected um, uh, happening. And it's got people thinking, um, and I think there will be, and I know already amongst uh, you know, uh, leagues and uh, clubs, um, thinking about how we can work better and smarter for the future. All right, we're going to leave it there. Robert Klein, thank you so much. Uh, look forward to uh, maybe someday taking in a, a match and a beer with you. It would be uh, an absolute pleasure. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Thank you so much. Be well. Thank you, Jason. And that's Robert Klein, the CEO of Bundesliga International, joining me from Frankfurt. That conversation was part of a series of conversations I had about sports at a crossroads. It's a television special on Bloomberg airing this weekend, beginning Friday night. Check that out. Part of my conversation from a few weeks ago with LeBron James is in there. I caught up also with Rich McKay. He's the president of the Atlanta Falcons and a previous guest on this pod, Rachel Luba over at Luba Sports, agent to Trevor Bauer. She and I talked about getting the baseball season underway and some of the damage done between the players and the owners. Catch us here Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays where we talk about big money issues in the world of sports. This is the Bloomberg Business of Sports. I'm Jason Kelly.